this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to in focus i'm pj george your host for today the 26th conference of parties of the un framework convention on climate change or cop26 as it is popularly called is currently going on in glasgow united kingdom yesterday at the summit prime minister narendra modi announced that india will aim to attain net zero emissions by 2070 he also announced that india will draw 50% of its consumed energy from renewable sources by 2030 while also managing to cut its carbon emissions by a billion tons by the same year now this announcement of a net zero date by india is considered a surprise move by many so what exactly is net zero and why is it important what has been india's stance on it so far and what does the new announcement by pm modi mean to discuss these we have with us jacob koshi the hindu's deputy science editor who has been closely following india's policies on climate change welcome to the in focus podcast uh, jacob koshi hi hi george so we'll start with the basics what exactly is net zero net zero at its simplest means that the num- the amount of carbon dioxide that is emitted by a country or let's take it at in a global picture the amount of carbon dioxide or uh, greenhouse gases that are emitted by a country it should be offset by the amount of gases that it takes out from the atmosphere or you know it should lock a certain amount of carbon dioxide through planting of trees and all that so that uh, the carbon dioxide is prevented from going into the atmosphere from 1850 there is already a huge amount of carbon dioxide you know in the atmosphere this is what leads to the concept of something called the carbon space that is the amount of carbon uh, you know that is already there in the atmosphere and it is this carbon that is actually linked to what to global warming and scientists over many decades now have calculated that you know nearly 89% of the carbon space is already occupied and we have only about i mean anywhere between 10 to 15% is the only remaining space and if that space too were to be completely filled then it would be pretty much impossible to prevent the earth from warming beyond beyond 2 degrees centigrade by the turn of the century and once that limit is kind of breached it will be very difficult to kind of put in place actions to uh, actually remove that to offset that uh, that damage so the whole Uh, aim of net zero the calculation is that by 2050 if countries can that the amount of carbon that ideally they should be emitting no carbon but if at all they're emitting net carbon dioxide it should be offset by taking out carbon from the atmosphere and locking in locking it inside so this is the essential concept of net zero and you know the kind of the headline focus of the cop 26 conference Okay right Jacob you mentioned uh, about countries offsetting carbon or their emissions or taking it out of the atmosphere can you shortly describe how that can be done what is offsetting and how countries can go about it so uh, offsetting uh, as explained is basically taking out carbon dioxide so you can use uh, technologies like clean carbon or you know you can design various kinds of power plants you know that actually Uh, they are clean coal they are clean coal based or the biggest offsetting of course is through forestry that is you know you plant you plant billions and billions of trees and because plants are forests are net absorbers of uh, carbon dioxide 
that is going to be the most effective uh, way to actually, uh, you know, to prevent carbon from uh, going outside. Now, the Amazon forest where, uh, and you know, all the major forests, forest reserves are actually the biggest carbon sinks as they are, as they're called. But we can't really expand forests to beyond a point because of uh, human needs. And even the Amazon in the last few years, you know, there have been forest fires, etc. People are saying that the Amazon is close to or has virtually reached a state where it is no longer a kind of carbon sink, so to say. The other ways, realistically, is to uh, prevent is to use mitigation. That is, you know, you actually prevent carbon dioxide from uh, from being emitted when you're when you're using energy. And the only way really is to rely completely on renewable sources of energy, that is, solar, wind, and uh, hydro, to that extent. So carbon capture and storage is. You know, the thing is, it is a very untest. There are countries in, in Northern Europe, in Sweden, Finland, you know, they have been trying these methods, but right now they're extremely uh, exotic. They're extremely expensive and it is really not seen as practicable. And it will take uh, a really, really long time, if at all, that is when these ca- these technologies can be can become more widespread and, you know, be, be distributed all uh, practically be deployed in the world. So the only realistic a solution really is trees and shifting almost entirely to clean energy where the emissions are prevented from going up in the first place. Right. Uh, Jacob, now net zero is something that we have started hearing in the last uh, few years. Now, during Paris in 2015, this was not uh, bandied about much. At that time, we were hearing mostly about the nationally determined contributions and other aspects. Why has net zero become a big thing now? Why is it currently the buzzword? Okay. Net zero really came as a consequence of Paris because the Paris Agreement essentially was all leaders committing to take steps to prevent a two degrees rise in global temperatures when compared to pre-industrial levels. But the wording also said that two degrees, but as far as possible, restricted to 1.5 degrees centigrade rise. Now, in the last four or five years, more than the two degrees, there's a 1.5 degree centigrade that has come into focus. And 1.5 degree centigrade can really be achieved only by 20, if by 2050, most countries achieve uh, some kind of net zero. And that gives you a nearly 60 or 70 percent probability that, uh, you know, if you reach it by 2050, uh, we could aspire to uh, keep temperatures below 1.5. Already, if you compare to pre-industrial le- levels, the globe is already heated by uh, 1.2 degrees centigrade. So, you know, you actually we are actually talking about just a 0.3 degree global surface rise. So it is in it is this 1.5 degree target and most recently the un as well as several other reports by the by several the ipcc as their six assessment report the un they have all uh, had special reports specifically targeted on this 1.5 degree centigrade now 1.5 degree centigrade means it, it is at a global level however the un's i mean this is the 26th cop all previous cops before have essentially been about Yes, we must prevent temperatures from rising by half a degree, um, you know, or whatever quantity. But there is also recognition of the fact that different countries have different responsibilities. Now, if you look at it, the United States has is historically the largest emitter. I mean, in terms of the amount of carbon that it has already uh, exited into the atmosphere since the 1850s and even now, whereas uh, uh, countries like China and India, they have really started 
emitting much more only in the last uh, 30 or 40 years. Along with you, with the US, I must also add several countries of the European Union, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, etc. I mean, these are, these are all historical uh, em- emissions. Now, the thing is, developing countries such as India and China said that, you know, the climate crisis that we are facing is almost entirely due to historical emissions. And so those who have hit, have who have emitted historically, according to them, very logically must take a greater share of the blame in actually amending this. But many of the, but the developed countries have consistently insisted that climate crisis is a global problem. And if India and China, which are now the second and third largest annual emitters of carbon dioxide, if they continue emitting in the same manner as they are doing now, it will and they keep increasing their emissions from from coal and you know other fossil fuel sources it will not really solve the carbon problem so there the the developed countries argument is that all countries whether they are developing or non or non-developing and they're particularly aiming this as at india and china and uh, you know russia brazil south africa these are all uh, de- uh, major emitters but are also developing countries they are saying that if you guys also do not curb your emissions then we really cannot solve the climate crisis so it is this impasse about, you know, uh, who should take much more responsibility. Other countries like India have consistently maintained that, you know, you cannot really force us at this point to quickly within 20 or 30, 20 years drastically cut emissions because net zero literally means, you know, you have to completely abandon your existing pipeline of technologies. Like you have to re- literally abandon your coal plants. You have to completely wean away from fossil fuel sources. And you have to make entirely new kinds of investments in, uh, you know, in clean energy sources. So they are saying this is a very difficult transition for us and for the uh, equitable growth of our very massive populations. And the other factor is that why are India's and China's emissions so high? It's also because of our populations. So the per capita emissions of our populations may be very low. But of course, added together, it is a huge quantity, which is a very different case from what we see in the developed countries where they're per capita emissions are extremely high. And again, that's because of their existing pipeline of technologies. So India, China, etc. says that you cannot really force us uh, into this. And so it is only fair that you guys take even more drastic steps. I mean, US, etc. already have committed to uh, achieving some kind of uh, uh, vague net zero goals. I mean, by 2050, they are uh, expected to cut down their emissions by nearly half. By 2035, the US has said it will almost entirely be a coal-free economy. But even with these commitments, they will still continue to occupy too much, much more of the carbon space, the remaining carbon space, than is allotted in their free share. So it's basically the negotiators right now in uh, Glasgow are all uh, about calculating each country's population, their carbon budgets, and uh, how their future emissions are poised to grow. So the negotiations are all about you know, bringing this this question of fairness and how much should each country actually do. Then there is a whole other question of, uh, okay, the, the Western countries, they have emitted what they have done, but to make good on their previous emissions, they must be more willing to give finance. They must be more willing to give uh, technologies. And this is, again, uh, one of those sticking points that has been dominating for a really, really long time. Right. Now, you mentioned this historical responsibility and uh, India's stance so far. Uh, is that why that even going into the COP26, just a few days back, the Environment Secretary has said that a net zero commitment is not 
uh, necessary and that it is emission restrictions that are what is necessary is can you elaborate a bit more on india's uh, stance on net zero uh, you said china and india as uh, having a more unified stance on on emissions but uh, china has already committed to a 2060 date uh, but while india has deserved uh, much more can you elaborate a bit more on india's specific stance on this so uh, um, you know it till now india's officials india's um, india india based experts etc have fairly consistently given this line of argument that india cannot be forced to a 2050 deadline uh, uh, by which you know it must give some kind of uh, it, it must achieve net zero remember to achieve net zero by 2050 it means that by 2030 or 2035 at the very least you must achieve something like called a peaking year that is your emissions must peak by 2030 50 and it is only then it will take nearly 20 uh, years for it for india to reach a stage that is every year it, its emissions must be going lower and lower and lower until it literally reaches this sort of zero state so uh, even that this is ex- this the pro- the china too has committed to a 2060 date but it ha- it actually hasn't specified a timeline so in that sense uh, previous indian officials have said that it really doesn't matter that you know net zero can be achieved by other countries taking on much more uh, than the targets that they have already promised and it doesn't necessarily mean that only countries like india have to take as much of the burden as other people but Pr- prime minister modi's statements yesterday uh was a very strong stand in terms of uh, you know in india's climate commitments 2070 as a net zero target is a very is a very very significant uh, headline statement though we must remember that this is uh, india's net zero is in 2070 that means it's quite likely that for india to actually achieve that net zero by 2070 it has to it may probably need to peak by 2040 or 2045 now we really don't know whether india's commitment to a net zero by 2070 will actually help in the larger goal of keeping warming to below 1.5 degrees centigrade it really will not because that will actually require other countries to take even more significant steps so probably this is only the first or second this is only the second day of the cop negotiations and this is expected to go on till november 12th or 13th so india is actually literally uh, by by making such a forward commitment when it was uh, it was the only major commit uh, economy that hadn't specified a date india is literally upping the kind of uh, you know negotiating game it it sees it probably feels that this might actually uh, force western developed <coughs> western developed countries to take on even more stringent targets but we also have to see more specifics in what uh, pm modi has said i mean he said that 50% of electricity generation will come from renewable energy sources by 2030 and uh, nearly 500 gigawatts of non fossil uh uh you know source of energy will be in place by 2030 now remember this means that in in the next 8 or 9 years the the amount of fresh energy capacity that india will be adding will be almost equal to the to all the energy capacity that we have the only difference being that all this added capacity will purely be from renewable energy sources another very interesting statement is that india has said it will cut Uh, uh the amount of its carbon dioxide emissions by a billion tons you know in the next uh, 10 years now that literally translates to india actually making a, a cut i mean it, it 
it will actually be reducing its uh, emissions, which is a very historic kind of statement as far as India is concerned, because India is generally focused on emissions intensity per unit of GDP. That means it does not mean that the emissions will cut, but it will become more, uh, the way we uh, use energy will become more efficient. But a billion tons cut is actually showing that there is going to be a reduction. Now, you could argue that this would pretty much follow from the fact that, you know, our Pretty much all of our installed energy in the next in the next coming decades will entirely be by renew, renewable energy sources. The whole uh, the, the 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 devil, of course, lies in the in the details. Uh, India India will has made this headline statements now, but only in its updated NDC, that is its nationally determined contributions. It will specify in great detail as to how exactly it will achieve this you know, this uh, a billion ton reduction or this 500 gigawatt installation. It will say, for instance, that, you know, from our railways, uh, we will put out, uh, you know, uh, we will uh, prevent, uh, I mean, we will prevent this many tons of uh, carbon dioxide from being emitted. It will specify from forestry, it will specify from all of its, uh, you know, different sources of, uh, you know, emissions, how all of these things are going to be cut. So the, we'll really have to wait for those, uh, you know, those those end updated NDC documents. And we don't know when that will be available, but that will actually reveal it in much more greater detail as to how exactly will uh, India achieve it. Though the statement that was made yesterday is really, a, a you know, a very significant statement by uh, PM Modi in that it will really influence the, uh, probably will really influence the tenor of uh, the negotiations that are ongoing. Right. Jacob, you mentioned the updating of the NDCs to reflect what the Prime Minister committed to yesterday. Can we go into a bit of what we already have in the NDCs and whether India is on uh, route to meeting them? What is it that we have already achieved and what is it that we have already committed to? So uh, our last update really was in 2015, where we said that 40% of all installed electricity generation capacity will be from non-fossil energy sources by 2030. We also said that we would create an additional carbon sink. That is basically all these forests and tree plantations. And this sink will be uh, will absorb nearly 2.5 to 3 billion tons of CO2 by 2030. And we've also committed to an em emissions intensity target of 33%, uh, increasing it from 33 to 35% to 2005 levels. So this is the, this is the only NDC that we have uh, uh, really spelled out. Now we have made increase. We have uh, PM Modi has made increases. The forty percent has become fifty percent. Our emissions intensity anyway was on track, you know, uh, to th to to achieve thirty to thirty five percent. And now, uh, based on uh, PM Modi's commitments, it will be forty six to forty eight percent. Now uh, there are there are organizations and analysts that actually track India's commitments, and based on what on India's NDC uh, targets. Uh, it is. It was on track to keeping temperatures it below two degrees centigrade. I mean, India was rated good. That is, its actions were were consonant with the two degrees centigrade prevention of a two degree centigrade rise. However, it act. It's the current NDCs are not really in track with a uh, for a one point five degree centigrade uh, pathway. So, whether this puts whether the new commitments that PM Modi has announced puts India on a one point five degree pathway. It remains to be seen because it will also depend on uh, you know what other countries uh, other countries commit to. 
but uh, uh, as we mentioned before the devil really is in the details and we really have to see sector by sector uh, how all of these uh, enhanced emissions will be increased there are already people who are saying that you know much ex- except for the actual billion ton reduction rest of the stuff in terms of energy emissions intensity are fairly uh, you know low hanging fruit because india is already close to uh, achieving its emissions intensity target it is it is 38% already and will easily achieve the 40% the main challenges india is going to face is in terms of installing fresh renewable energy capacity and supply i mean india still relies on coal plants and uh, the, the the new commitments will actually make uh, installing fresh coal plants even harder india also has huge reserves of coal and you know an infrastructure that already employs it though it's a completely different matter that you know uh, you know we continually face coal shortages and you know electricity shortages are rife throughout this country so shifting to a kind a renewable energy grid i mean might sound promising but whether it's actually practicable in the next decade or decade and a half really remains to be uh, seen we still haven't met our 2022 uh, renewable energy commitments and uh, uh, even though en- uh, solar and en- energy price solar prices are at all time lows the actual installation and providing to the grid is an entirely different matter so we haven't even met our renewable energy installation capacity in the next couple of years so we really have to see whether the you know the 500 gigawatt uh, projection by 2030 is practically feasible this might be a negative note to wind up the podcast but jacob what are the scientists saying about the situation if these commitments are not met what if we don't reach net zero by 2050 now we are aiming for a 1.5 degree rise in temperature above pre industrial levels but what if it that doesn't happen what is the projection here so uh, george the thing that we must never forget is that we are already living through the climate crisis we are already seeing instances of increased natural disasters we are already seeing instances of you know changes in monsoonal patterns and i'm actually just speaking very specific to india in the monsoon season you seeing many days that are rainless and suddenly you will have intense bursts of showers in in certain places and all of this actually makes forecasting far more difficult now this is all because this is all because of the of historical changes in patterns we are seeing far more uh, arctic ice melt we are seeing far more bleaching of corals we are seeing uh, you know uh, in all that this feedback effect of you know of global warming is already underway what scientists are saying is that you know if you don't keep it beyond 1.5 keep it below 1.5 degree centigrade the uncertainty is going to is going to accelerate even more we are going to see inexorable sea level rises sea level rises would mean that entire coasts are going to get inundated this will mean entirely different changes in how uh, people earn their livelihoods coastal communities are going to be the most affected that will mean lot more uh, uh, you know internal displacement and migration this will actually lead to lot more social uh, uh, social tensions it will lead to loss of livelihoods especially of the poor and the most vulnerable so it is not just a climate crisis that we're looking at it is going to be a, a you know an uh, an acceleration in terms of how society uh, has to rapidly adjust to uh, you know to uh, ch- changing nature and this is going to it's, it's just that mo- uh, a 1.5 degree target it is said gives you a 60 or 70% probability that 
the worst of this, the, the sea level rises, etc., can be prevented at least to the end of this century. This is exact. These are all just scientific projections. It could well be that you know you would actually achieve this, and but basis the amount of carbon dioxide that has already been uh, emitted, they really don't see. Uh, you know, we could still go through the uh, you know the, the same challenges. So it is essentially a call, call to completely change. You know the way we live, the uh, you know the the habits that we are used to in terms of uh, uh, being dependent on coal and you know. Uh, consumptive expenditure and that we really must change uh, uh, you know the, the the you know the way we emit the way we live and uh, 1.5 or 2 i mean these are just uh, numbers to a lot of people but what we must be really be uh, uh, aware about is the fact that the world is already changed we are already seeing unpredictability and if we don't try our best at a 1.5 target this is only going to increase and lot more strata of society are going to actually feel the effects. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, one hopes that the uh, world governments are able to come together and find a solution to those before things are too late. To our listeners, uh, do listen to our In Focus podcast where we will be giving you more updates. Thank you, Jacob, once again for this enlightening conversation. You're welcome, George. Bye. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.